Warning, this podcast may contain magic and wonder and mentalism and mystique and everything you've ever wanted to know about magic. I was focused in there on mystique and assumed we were talking about the X-Men. Wrongly so. No X-Men here. I'm not exactly happy with that open. Welcome to Seesaw Podcast. With your hosts, T, Cleves, and Selena. Every week, bringing some much-needed balance and humour to brighten up what can sometimes be a dark, disabled world. Welcome, one and all, to Seesaw Podcast, the joker in the deck of cards that is podcasting. We have a lovely guest today. It's all about magic. But, Selena, how are you? I'm good. I'm ready for some magic. Perfect. Cleves. Also ready. Well, seeing as we are ready to go, I think we should just jump straight into this episode. Coming up right now, Tyler Gibgott, magician. Hello. Hey there, how are you doing? Good. And honestly, like I can't wait for the listeners to hear about you and everything that you're doing, sharing all this magical stuff. But if you're there, if you just want to kick off, just tell us a little bit about who you are and a bit about your visual impairment as well, if you don't mind. So as you mentioned, my name is Tyler. I'm from Los Angeles and I'm 20 years old. Right now I'm at the University of Southern California and I'm studying cognitive science, which is essentially a blend between neuroscience and psychology. And I was born with a very rare visual impairment called aniridia. Now this literally means the absence of iris from the eyes. So Essentially, living without irises makes me very light sensitive. So uh, if you can imagine walking outside of a movie theater or a dark room into broad daylight and you just have to squint because everything is so bright for a second, that's essentially how I see all the time. But despite that, I've, I've really never let it get in the way of doing the things I love. I've really only used my eye condition as an incentive to work harder. It's been one of my greatest assets. And to be completely honest, I don't think I would be the person I am without it. That being said, one of my main passions uh, throughout my life has been magic, performing magic tricks for people and creating magic effects myself. I've started fairly recently. I started at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, and it's really served as a way for me to express myself to people, you know, the same way that a painter uses a paintbrush to paint on a canvas. The cards have always been my tool to tell a story. And what I love about magic so much is that it really bridges different barriers and it makes me forget in a sense that I have this visual impairment. But yeah, I guess that's a little bit about me and my my condition. As far as an individual with visual impairment yourself, have you found mm-hmm. any barriers to being a magician, not just necessarily those seeing your tricks, but barriers that you've come across as a visually impaired magician when you're trying to practice your art? Yeah, that, that's a very good question. I certainly have. I think a lot of magic in general is vision dominated. I mean, to be honest, a lot of uh, any kind of art forms, uh, you know, like cinema or theater, those are also mostly run by by and dominated by vision. So performing magic myself definitely has come with it, come with its obstacles, come with its challenges. But my ultimate goal has always been to find ways around those obstacles. And I truly believe that if you set your mind to something, you really can accomplish anything. So in my time performing magic, uh, it's, for example, sometimes hard for me to see the cards. I have to look very closely to see the numbers or the, the letters in the cards. And an interesting thing that I've done is 
because I've worked with cards so much for the past five or so years, three or five years, I've really gotten used to the patterns on the cards, the way that the cards are oriented, like the shapes and the numbers uh, and the designs on the, the royal cards, for example. What I mean is that the Jack of Clubs, for example, looks very different than the King of Hearts. And that looks different from the Queen of you know, Diamonds, for example. I've gotten used to looking at the pattern on the card, essentially the design and the color scheme on it. And now I don't even read the number or letter on the card. What I do is I mainly just look at the picture and I, I, I can identify just from that. Oh, that looks like a Jack of Clubs. That looks like a, you know, Ace of Hearts or whatever it is. So that's one of the one of the many things I use to overcome that visual limitation that's that I face when looking at cards. Another is, you know, when I'm performing magic in general, sometimes it's very hard to see the facial expressions of the people I'm performing for. So especially if, you know, they're at a distance or in the crowd, if they're not a couple of feet from me, it's it can be very challenging to see how they're reacting, you know, if they're bored of it or not, if they want to leave, you know, if they're really excited. So obviously I judge it mostly off of noise, you know, if they're if they're yelling and if they're saying, how did you do that? Then I know that they're really loving it. But, you know, sometimes if I'm on a stage, for example, and I have an audience of people, it's definitely very challenging to judge whether or not they are engaged or not. So to, to overcome that, I usually just ask questions to the crowd and get them moving. And I'll, I'll say, how are we doing tonight, everybody? Or, you know, uh, how did that trick make everyone feel? Everyone give them a big shout or, or something like that uh, from on stage. So I, I genuinely think there are many different ways to overcome those kinds of visual limitations. It's really just about finding ways that make it seem very seamless and subtle and also realizing that you know, you're not alone. There are other people out there who are trying to overcome different visual impairments as well. And so best way is just to do it with humility and grace. And that's always how I've approached it. What sort of magic is it that you do? You mentioned cards. Is it predominantly card tricks or is it like close-up magic or is it, are you looking to do sort of bigger spectacles? I mostly specialize with card tricks. Uh, I've been practicing card tricks for the past four years now. And I love the way they feel in my hands. You know, the cards are essentially my muse. I don't go anywhere without cards. I've also recently got into the this category of magic called mentalism. Now, mentalism is essentially tricks with the mind or the imagination. Uh, you're playing with the idea of trying to essentially determine what someone's thinking of using a procedure of steps or questions. Sometimes this can involve cold reading someone, which means that you're essentially reading and fishing for information without having any prior knowledge on who they are. There's also hot reading, which is the opposite of that, which is, you know, maybe I already know what your birthday is, or maybe I already know what your favorite celebrity is from someone else. And I'm essentially just pretending as though I'm reading your mind or, or something like that to determine this information to let you know that i know this information so mentalism is interesting because that is one of the only forms of magic that doesn't require vision neither by the spectator or by the performer themselves so mentalism and card tricks are mainly what i specialize in you spoke a little bit earlier about uh having to ask the crowd uh, you know are you having a good time did you enjoy that trick 
Have you noticed any sort of barriers in terms of the way you present yourself to people because of your eye condition? Every time I perform magic, I think about this, especially when I meet someone new, you know, especially when I don't perform for my friends. I think one of the biggest things that I ponder is at what point should I tell people that I have a visual impairment? Is it at the beginning or should I leave it at the end, you know, for this grand kicker where people don't see it coming? You know, oh my God, you're, you're, you're legally blind or you have a visual impairment. You've been doing this, these card tricks and these crazy magic tricks this entire time, you know, or the third option, do I not tell people at all? And do I just sort of leave it up for interpretation? But I realized that telling someone that you have a visual impairment can add a lot of sensitivity to your performance and also uh, create, like I said before, this sort of amazing end grand finale magic trick in a way where the entire time, the entire performance was illusion, was an illusion, right? People thought you could see, but you actually couldn't as well as you, you know, claim to with these magic tricks. So the point I'm making here is I've realized over the past few years of performing that it's important to separate the art that I put out from my visual impairment. But at the same time, there is no harm in telling people at the very end or, you know, towards maybe even the second time you meet them or the third time, whatever it is that you have this visual impairment. And it's important to tell them it with confidence and pride. The fact that you don't look down on this visual impairment, but rather it uplifts you and it should uplift others. And you should use your eye condition as a way to inspire people, to let people know that any challenge can be overcome. And so that is recently the approach that I've taken to it. I genuinely think that your visual impairment, your challenge, while it doesn't define you, it is a part of you. And instead of giving up on it, you should make it your your asset. You know, you should make it something very positive. So, And you said you performed on stage and things like that. Mm-hmm. Do you find the surroundings can create barriers because of your eyesight? If you're in a new venue, for example. Yeah, I mean, like I said before, sometimes the crowd is a difficult is a difficult thing to see, you know, to judge off of people's facial expressions. But funny enough, that's actually uh, something that's helped me perform because let's say someone yawns or someone leaves the room because they're bored of it. I'll never know. It won't affect my performance. Maybe a lot of performers on stage, they'll get discouraged by it. They see someone yawn or they're tired or they pull up their phone and they start texting someone. You know, the performer might be a little bit discouraged by that. But for me, I'm like oblivious, <laughs> oblivious to it. So that's that's kind of uh, a nice thing for me in a way, a way that my condition has helped me on stage. But other than that, you know, sometimes I guess the, the dimensions of the stage have been difficult to scope out. You know, let's say I need to go off stage for a second. You know, if there's stairs to climb down, it's sometimes difficult for me. But I mainly avoid stage shows, not mostly because of my condition, but mostly just because my magic tricks, uh, what I specialize in, it's so up close. You really have to be right there to experience it fully, to be mind blown and mesmerized by it. But being on stage in the limited times I have been, I'd say the crowd has posed some limitations. And also the atmosphere in general with, you know, just the dimensions of the stage and and where everything is laid out. So so what um, what tricks are you working on at the moment? What uh, what project is it you're working on? Currently, I'm trying to do something very novel with magic. There's a lot of people that I know that are, are continuing to develop the same old magic tricks using the principles that have already been founded on. And while I respect those, I think that it's 
time to turn magic into something completely new, to take it into a new direction. So because of my visual impairment, I have been inspired recently to delve into the world of non-visual magic. Now, what that means is developing tricks that rely solely on the auditory and tactile experience rather than the visual one. So most of the card tricks or coin tricks or stage magic tricks you may have seen before probably rely mostly on vision. I bet on that because let's take, for example, pulling a rabbit out of a hat. You know, if you can't see, you you wouldn't know necessarily that a rabbit came out of the hat or you wouldn't know necessarily that, you know, the woman was sawed in half in the box, that their, their legs were cut off from their head or whatever, their body. I think a lot of magic tricks at their core rely very dominantly on vision. And pondering this idea made me come to the realization that, you know, it's very important to make magic more inclusive for, pe- for people like us, people with visual impairments, because that shouldn't be the case with magic and that shouldn't be the case with any art form. I believe that you know, magic should be able to encompass an all-around experience for everybody. Everyone should be able to experience it. So the way that I'm going about this project is I've collaborated with this uh, scientist, the psychologist, professor, and magician named Gustav Kuhn, uh, who currently works at the University of Plymouth. And together, we've been putting our heads together to come up with these effects, number one. And number two, reach out to as many uh, people with visual impairments around the world as possible to get their unique perspectives on if they think it would be possible to perform uh, for a blind audience and maybe how they've experienced magic in the past and how they would like to experience magic going forward. So it's been it's been a journey so far. It's been very interesting. I spent eight weeks in the UK over the summer uh, with him working in his magic lab and collaborating with him amongst many other uh, magicians and professors and academics. So this has been a very meaningful project to me, a very personal one, because of this aspect of making it non-visual. I'm not just another magician. I am one with a visual impairment myself. So that's why this is deeply personal to me. And in terms of going forward, I see this being very big. There are plans of potentially writing a book or or some sort of publishing on this, I think that there's a lot to be said here because there's a lot of number one ethical considerations with performing for a blind audience. And number two, it requires taking the rule book that has governed magic for so many years, crumpling it up and throwing it out the window. Because when you're performing for a blind audience, all of those rules don't really apply anymore in terms of how to work with your angles with magic tricks or the timing or the position you're performing at. I think none of those things matter anymore because you really have to rely a lot on someone's hearing and someone's uh, tactile experience, even someone's olfactory experience with a smell. So in terms of the science that goes behind this, the actual mechanisms that underlie this project, uh, we've done a lot of works into exploring the brain because what magic does is it doesn't just deceive the eyes, but it mainly deceives the brain. Because all of the information that your senses pick up from the environment, such as your the sounds you hear or the sights you're seeing, the smells and the aromas that you're, that you're smelling, the things you're touching, right? All of those things are processed in the brain. And so because of that, magic deceives the brain. We have to figure out a way to deceive a different part of the brain now. 
instead of the visual cortex, we're trying to look into how to deceive that that auditory part of your brain or the part that senses touch. So all these things are in the works, and it's a very exciting project. And I guess the long-term goal is to actually craft the show and perform it tailored towards a, a blind audience. So this is very exciting to me. I'm very passionate about it, and I'm just blessed to be able to have this opportunity. That must be incredibly difficult if you're so used to doing it a certain way. And then, like you say, you have to do it a different way. How do you begin to come up with a trick that is designed to deceive someone else's sense other than sight? Well, it takes many steps. I think I have to use what I already know about magic, the sleight of hand maneuvers and the knowledge on on the, you know, just taxonomy of magic in general, the, the do's and don'ts of magic. I have to use what I already know and just simply adapt to this completely different style of performing. You know, normally when I'm when I'm thinking of a trick to perform for someone, I'm thinking, what would people most love to see? You know, what would blow someone's mind the most? Would it be something levitating or disappearing? Or would it be, you know, a card changing in their hand? Would it be reading their mind? And all of these things, most of them at least, require vision to see something disappear, to see something levitate off the ground. So what I've done is I've had to think, okay, instead of see these things, how do I make people experience them in a different way? In an equally in an equally immersive way. I've realized that it's very important, number one, to emphasize this tactile experience that I've been talking about. Making sure that the audience fully has grasp of any props or objects used in the performance. If they're holding it the entire time, they know that the magician isn't exploiting the fact that they have a visual impairment, that they're in control. You know, what me and Dr. Kuhn have realized is it's very important to give this audience a sense of control uh, while also making sure they feel like they're being treated equally as everyone else because that's where the ethics fall into this, right? You really don't want anyone with a visual impairment to feel like they're treated any different than anybody else. Certainly, I wouldn't want to be treated that way if I was being performed for. Again, emphasizing that tactile experience where they're fully in control of the objects the entire time. Maybe it's the coin, maybe it's the card, whatever it is. Second to that, it's emphasizing this auditory experience. So maybe these tricks don't involve any objects or props at all. Maybe they just involve verbal interaction between performer and spectator. That can involve a series of questions or statements to pretend as though the performer is reading the mind of the spectator. Reading and fishing for a piece of information that couldn't possibly be inferred off of, you know, just a single interaction. Maybe it's this person's family member's name or their friend, best friend's name, or maybe it's the birthday, uh, anything like that. This sort of idea of mentalism for a blind audience definitely seems to be something that could work. But again, still has to be adapted a lot because with many mentalism tricks, they're involved sight, unfortunately. I guess it, it is a very difficult process because even when I think I have a trick, there's always the what if this or what if they, they want to hold the object the whole time? Is this ethically okay to perform? So there's a lot that goes into this, but it requires a very gentle and creative approach, I think. And so I'm trying to think of all these tricks from all of the different angles. And 
that's what needs to go into it. On that, is it trick I, time? Yeah, I was wondering yes. if Cleves could put in some magical backing music at this point <laughs> in the podcast. Absolutely, and see <laughs> if you can run uh, a little trick on us and maybe our audience. Oh, of course, I'd love to. Uh, I'll, I'll show you something similar to what I did yesterday, actually. On that note, you know, from what I said about this whole mentalism idea, uh, I want to try something. And not only will, you know, Selena, Tony, Cleves, not only will all the three of you get to participate in this, but everyone listening and watching from home will get to participate in this as well. So if you guys are ready, I'll try something out. Let's do it. All right. So uh, if everyone listening can please think of any dessert food. Make it something simple. Maybe the first one that just comes to mind. And don't think of ice cream because people usually think of that. But make it simple, not too crazy. You know, also don't make it too English because I'm from America. So it could be really any dessert food. And when when, when you have something, leaves, and hopefully everyone has something, just, just give me a shout. Let me know. Yeah, we got something. So hopefully everyone else has a dessert food and hopefully you know how to spell it because what I'd like you to do now is we're going to randomize this a lot. I want you to take that last letter of the dessert food and I want you to try to think of a breakfast food that starts with that. It can be simple, it doesn't matter, but just try to think of a breakfast food that starts with the last letter of your dessert. Is that possible? I'm going to struggle. (laughs) Yeah, okay, yeah, I've got one, yeah. Now, if you've got one, I want you not to take the second letter... We'll do the third letter, actually, that breakfast food. And I want you to think now of a musical instrument, if possible, that starts with that third letter of the breakfast food. Okay, yeah. Hopefully everyone has one. I'll give a few seconds. At this point, we'll make this even more random. I'd like you to think of uh, the third letter of that instrument. The third letter. And we'll do a color, maybe, that starts with that third letter. Which is, at this point, very random. So, give you a few seconds, let me know when you have something. Uh, yeah, good to go. You have a color in mind, yes? Yeah. Hopefully everyone else has a color in mind. Uh, I have no idea if this is going to work, because you truly could have thought of any breakfast food, any dessert food, any instrument, any color for that matter, and you've arrived at a random one. So really think of it, I want you to visualize it in front of you, in your mind as well. Visualize the word, visualize what the color looks like. Just look at me real quick. I'm sensing something. Hopefully everyone has the same one. Are you thinking of indigo? Uh, yeah, yeah, I am. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> I am, yeah. Now, hopefully that worked on everybody else too. That's very interesting. So as you can see, that sort of thing. You can do it through the computer. You don't need to be in person. You don't need to see. You just need to imagine. Wow. Um, <laughs> Incredible. I want to know how you did that one. <laughs> I can't give away the secrets. Hopefully there'll be, be a show at some point or or a book outlining things and we wouldn't want to uh <laughs> I'm I'm coming to the show. You've def- I'm 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 loving this. This is my new favourite thing, honestly. Like more magicians <laughs> should be doing this, like <laughs> the first to have tickets. <laughs> Thank you. Find my seats, I'll be there. You know what? Why don't we try one more trick if we have time? It'll be the same deal as the first one where, where all of you can just uh, listen and imagine. You guys want to try one more? Yes. yes. Let's do it. And all, all of you can do this one. So make sure I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you guys a series of steps. Uh, make sure you're not saying anything out loud and just imagine all of this in your head. Make sense? Yep. Yeah. Again, everyone listening can also participate in this one. 
So now what I'd like you all to do is think of any number one through 10. Just any number one through 10, not one, but any number one through 10. Everyone yep. have something? Mm-hmm. Hopefully you have your time tables down. I want you to take that number and just multiply it by nine. Take your time if you need, but just multiply that number by nine. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone done so? Yeah. It took me longer to do it in my head than I thought it would, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Make sure, you have, make sure you have that number. So you're, you're taking a number one through 10, multiplying by nine. You should now have a two-digit two number. Mm-hmm. What I want you to do is to take those two digits and add them together. So for example, if my number was 24, I would add two plus four. So I want you to take that number and add the two digits together. Yeah. Okay. Have you done so? Yeah. Now I want everybody to subtract five from that number in your head. Okay. Testing people's math yeah. skills here, but yeah. Has everyone done so? Yeah. 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 Okay. So everyone has a number in mind, I hope. Um, I want everyone now to think of a letter in the alphabet that corresponds with the number you're thinking about. So, for instance, if you were thinking of the number one, it would be A, number two uh, would be B, uh, C would be three, and so on. Yep. Yep. Okay. Everyone has something, yes? Yep. Okay. Now I want you to think of a country that starts with the letter you're thinking of. Okay. Okay. Everyone has something? Just spell it in your head. Don't say it. Just spell it in your spell the name of the country in your head. Mm-hmm. Now I want you to think of the second letter in that country's name. Okay. Yeah. And quickly think of an animal whose name begins with that letter. Just quickly off the top of your head. Okay. And now I want you to think of the color of that animal. Selena, are you following? <laughs> uh, I've got an animal. What's next? Sorry. And just the color of that animal. Oh, the color of the animal. Yeah. Of that actual animal. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I think. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. And and uh, two of you have something. Yes. Yeah. Please. Hopefully, everyone listening has something in mind. I really have to concentrate here. It's funny though. This really can't be right. I don't think there are any gray elephants in Denmark, are there? <laughs> no way. That's, no. yeah. <laughs> no gray elephants in Denmark. <laughs> I definitely had Denmark, and I definitely had elephant, but then I was debating whether an elephant's white or not. Oh my god, I've not been blind that long, honestly, to forget that. <laughs> that's, that's, oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. <laughs> oh. So that, that's another fun one I love to do. Uh, I think that could also be adapted to, towards people with visual impairments. You know, those kinds of tricks where you're really imagining the magic in your mind. You know, you really don't have to see to participate. So, yeah, absolutely. It's crazy stuff. It's, it's, yeah. I love it. I do love it. Thank you. Thank you. So what's next? What's coming up next for you, Ben? Is it the, the show or is it the, the project? Yeah. So I think this project that I'm working on with Dr. Gustav Kuhn in the UK is definitely uh, a passion project right now. Definitely what I'm looking forward to most. 
to continue creating these effects uh, tailored towards a blind audience, as well as to continue writing about it and, and collecting more data and information about it to really come to a conclusion and hopefully present our data to everybody to promote the to promote the message that, you know, there should be no limitation on experiencing art and experiencing life in general. I think if we can make magic more inclusive, we can inspire a whole new wave of magicians, people who may have already been discouraged by their visual impairment. We may be able to encourage them to start performing magic and, you know, even get workshops where we can give uh, where we can teach people how to perform magic. And again, like encourage this whole new wave of, of people and uh, spread the message that any challenge can be overcome. Besides this big project I'm working on, Again, like I said, I'm currently at the University of Southern California, and I am the president of the Magic Association at this uh, university. And so what I'm doing with my other friends in the organization, who are also my co-presidents, uh, is we have plenty of shows planned for this school year. Essentially, we go around the uni and we are able to perform shows for different people and promote it on social media and, you know, we, we go to these theaters or we go to these events that people have, these social events. And, you know, the the four or five of us, we go and perform magic tricks for them. And the goal is just to get our name out more and, and to continue furthering our love for magic and continue sharing it with each other and developing effects with each other. So funny enough, every Wednesday, so tonight uh, we have magic meetings where you know, this is only a once a week occurrence, but we have these meetings where we all come together and we encourage everybody else in the school to come join us and we perform magic tricks and we have a great time. And so the next step for me is is continuing this magic club at, at my uni, this vision magic project, and to continue reading and learning magic because the great thing about it is it's endless. There's no end to to learning and growing your magic skills and so that's really the biggest thing for me and to continue writing about it and uh really i think it can only go up from here so i'm very excited for everything that's to come and like are you on socials where can people follow you and your progress yes great question so my social is ty.magic that's instagram my youtube is just my name tyler gibgott YouTube is my name, ty.magic on Instagram. Amazing then. Of course, I'll put all of the, the links in the show notes as well. But this has yeah. been absolutely incredible, Tyler. Um, you, you blew my mind, and I'm sure that you blew the minds of many people at home. No, I, again, I'm so blessed to have this opportunity to be on this podcast today. I'm really excited to have shared all of this with you and to have performed some magic tricks for you guys too. So thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks, thank, thank you. you. And if by magic, we are back. I love Tyler. I love magic. I didn't realize I love magic so much. Like, I want, I want more magic. Well, we'll be getting more because they actually did three tricks and we only put in two in the podcast. So a third trick will hopefully be coming out this Friday. Check out socials because we will also put the video on there as well. It is a spellbinding experience indeed. So tune in then. And until next week, we're going to disappear. Thank you for listening to Seesaw Podcast. Your feedback and comments mean a lot to us, so if you'd like to get in touch, you can do so in the following ways. 
can find us on Twitter at SeesawPod, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube at Seesaw Podcast. And you can also join us at SeesawPodcast.com. Remember to like, rate, review and share with a friend. This podcast was recorded in front of a blind audience. And if by magic, no, that doesn't sound right. Wait, you're going to keep that in anyway, probably. <laughs> no X-Men here. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on.